You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Hello and welcome into another edition of Three Ma. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former B writer for the Manhattan Mercury. And today we are talking schedule. We are close enough to the season that we are going to be breaking down K-State's schedule game by game. Last year, we all wound up predicting K-State to win the Big 12 championship and look how that worked out. So we'll see uh, if we're going to be smart or if somebody is going to be uh, become a pariah of the fan base here today. That is why you should tune in. See if uh, you're going to have anybody to uh, be mad at. And Hey, maybe it'll drive you to drinks. I mean, who knows? But if it does, we don't have to help you out with that. Our friends at Holiday Distillery, as always, can get you the hookup on the Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon or 360 Vodka. Your poison of choice. They have you covered either way. I'm sure there's still time to soak up at the lake. It's a million freaking degrees right now. So you might as well have a drink in your hand, and uh, you should definitely have someone tailgate season fires up here in just under two weeks. We are under two weeks away from K-State football kicking off the 2023 season. So get stocked up with Holiday Distillery. Great K-State folks who help support the pod. Please support them as well. Also, before we transition in here, do want to mention that we are now on Patreon. So if you want more Fremont content, we are putting out extra bonus content on our Patreon page, just patreon.com slash 3 That is how you can sign up. Just $5 a month, and you will get access to bonus pod content. We just did one yesterday talking about the basketball team's trip through Israel and Abu Dhabi and the games that they played there. Lots of positives and lots of rave reviews from big-time analysts in the college basketball world. We discuss all of that on the Patreon. An update on K-State's situation with Nike uh, is up there. Discussion on Quez Glover, the newest K-State basketball commitment, all on there right now. Cole is going to have some articles. I saw a preview from Cole of what Brody's segment is going to look like on the Patreon as well, if you want to hear uh, from Brody every single week throughout the season. And we should be getting you uh, a Discord, basically a chat feature, like a group chat where you can communicate with us uh, on a daily basis as well, if you sign up. So patreon.com slash 3 to uh, become a part of that community. We would much, much, much appreciate your support there. Uh, okay. Schedule talk, guys. We're close. We're close. Um, and uh, Cole, I see I, Cole has given me a reminder here. I forgot one thing. I'm sorry. I'm, before we get into the schedule, let me just tease that for you. We do have to tell you also about a new KCSN podcast called Run It Back that is going to be coming up soon here as we get the laundry list out of the way here at the beginning of the show. My apologies here for getting this, but uh, Jasmine Halliburton, is one of the newest members of the KCSN family. Uh, K-State grad, she just graduated uh, from K-State, so make sure and support her as well. Former sideline reporter, you saw her on K-State HDTV or the ESPN Plus broadcast during basketball season. She did a really great job with uh, sideline reporting there. So a lot of people probably are familiar with her work there, but uh, she is going to try to help us become a comprehensive resources resource for all things uh, K-State athletics when it comes to podcasting. Uh, her first show is launching this week. She'll sit down with sophomore volleyball player Shaylee Myers, who was named to the All-Big 12 rookie team last season. Uh, look for that interview to drop early this week and uh, much more tremendous content interviews, K-State student athletes from Jasmine. 
you'll be able to find it right here. So if you're just on the channel right here, KCSN, K-State Athletics, already listening to 3 Maw, it'll just drop right in there. So basically, we're just giving you some bonus content to uh, cover some of the other sports at K-State through Jasmine and uh, her great work. So make sure to be on the lookout for that. Uh, schedule, we've got Southeast Missouri State coming up on September 2nd. And, you know, I feel like I can't even really appropriately do a schedule podcast because as any great podcaster and fan internet fanboy should be i am laser focused on week one i am not looking forward to anything else the rest of the year if i did that i would be letting the team down so i have only been studying up on semo boys so i hope you're ready for some great analysis there i don't know that i can give you much else on uh, the rest of the schedule that's that's all i've got right I know that they are picked to win their conference at the FCS level. It's the is it the Ohio Valley Conference? Did I get that right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a team that can maybe be a thorn in your side is how I would characterize it. But I would, if that is the case, I would expect it to only be a half. I'm not going to look. I'm not saying to overlook this game, but I'm also not going to dive into it with a with a ton of energy like we will every other game. And I do think that this Kansas State team is probably equipped even more than the other ones under head coach Chris Kleiman just because of the experience and the offensive firepower that does return and that you've added through the transfer portal. I think they could probably put up a pretty weird number offensively on Southeast Missouri State, and I would really expect that at this point, especially if you were going to maybe pick apart one side of the ball for Southeast Missouri State as not being as up to speed, if, I, if I'm remembering my research correctly, it is the defense. So I think Kansas State should be able to score a lot. I don't want to steal John Sunder because I know he's got a ton of bulleted out notes on SEMO, but you know they are the uh, number 12 team in the preseason FCS top 25 poll. D.Y. mentioned it, picked to win the Ohio Valley Conference, won nine games last year, returned a lot of guys off that team. So they are a good FCS opponent. You will recall, though, like Nichols, I think, when K-State played them in 2019, they were a top 15 in the FCS poll, and K-State destroyed them. So if they come in focused, they should win this game running away. Kelly Ford, uh, you're going to hear me mention him several times throughout this podcast. He's an analytics research data-driven college football guy. He has K-State projected as a 36-point favorite uh, in this game. So I'm going to take K-State 59, SEMO 17. I think it'll be points, heavy on points is what I would imagine. I would expect to be pretty heavy on points as well. I think we're we're thinking the offense is going to be ahead of the defense. So, uh, you know, I mean, I could see SEMO scoring 20, um, maybe 50, 52-20, somewhere in there, 52-20, something like that. I'll, I'll say 56-17. Uh, By the way, Famous alum from SEMO. This is the research that I have. Cedric the Entertainer, uh, Southeast Missouri State graduate. Cedric the Entertainer. I hope you do that for every team, just to, like a famous alum. That is it. That it's a little bit off the beaten path. That is incredibly. Oh, well, you're, you're we're harkening back to a radio bit. This is what we used to do for uh, crappy non-conference basketball games um, during the dregs of the Bruce Weber era. There at the end, there, you know, I'd, we'd go through it. Mitch, Mitch, shout out to my guy Mitch Porter. He would help. Uh, we'd pull some famous alums. Some cool little stats about each school, so I, I'll try and do it on the fly. I, I can't wait to hear, can't wait to hear what you have about Troy, John. Yes, well, well, I looked that up, uh, Derek. Why don't you give us some nice analysis here on Troy? Uh, look, tough team, double-digit win team last year. This is the game that I think uh, a lot of people have circled as like the tricky one. 
on the non-con schedule. Mizzou is a much more obvious losable game, but th- this is a tricky one. K-State has had their struggles under Chris Kleiman against teams like this, right? Lost to Arkansas State, uh, for instance, comes to mind back in, in 2020. Uh, so th- this has been a bugaboo for them. Tulane last year, although I don't... Tulane's probably still in a different category, right, than Troy. Is that is that fair? Maybe I'll just use that as the jumping off point for you. I, Why they lost to Tulane last year is Troy a team that could make any sort of noise like what Tulane did last year. My initial impression is that the common fan here is probably thinking that Troy could be a this year's Tulane or group those together or categor- categorize them together. Um, a lot of people might do that. I wouldn't. I'm actually kind of down on Troy a little bit this year because these teams, these things usually have a way of working themselves out where you, you, you find the, the medium or the accurate depiction of what a team truly is. And one of the things that I kind of look for, especially if you're going with over-under on win, win totals and stuff like that, is teams that maybe overachieved based on the data that was available last year and you picked maybe them to underachieve this year. Troy fits into that umbrella, to be quite honest. When you look at a lot of their numbers from a year ago, and it's not to take anything away from them, it was a sensational season that they should be proud of, but it is very easily to come up with a, a scenario where Troy could have just as easily been seven and five last year rather than a twelve and two. So they did it a lot with smoke and mirrors, and it'll be the first true test for this year's offense that can stay. How good do we think this offense will be? Uh, Troy has a pretty solid defense. They just struggle to score, and they probably will struggle to score again this year. I believe. So Troy went twelve and two last year. They won the Sun Belt Conference. A lot of experts will tell you the Sun Belt was the best that it's ever been last year. It was Troy's seventh Sun Belt Conference championship since two thousand six. Uh, their most wins since becoming an FBS school in 2001. They finished ranked in the top 20 in both the AP and coaches poll for the first time in program history. And they did so under first year head coach John Summerall, who he's a defensive minded guy. He inherited a program that went 15 and 20 in the prior three seasons. Chip Lindsay didn't get it done uh, after Neil Brown was there previously, who won 31 games in three years at Troy. Troy would have finished 13-1 and one if not for you guys remember in Game 3 last year, the miraculous Hail Mary by Appalachian State uh, that dropped them to 1-2 and two on the season. They went on to win their final 11 games. D.Y., you mentioned defense. That's their calling card. Their defense ranked 8th in the country in turnovers fourth last year, 14th in sacks, 8th in scoring defense. They were number 10 in the country, allowing 1.49 points per drive last season. So, Defense has been their trademark and their MO, but what I will say is they rank 113th out of 131 FBS teams in returning defensive production this year. So while they return, um, you know, 14 starters overall, they do not have a ton of returning production on the defensive side of the football. They still have a couple of really good players over there, uh, but I would expect that defense to take a little bit of a step back. And, and you mentioned the data. I mean, look, Troy, according to like Bill Count Connolly, they're, they're still the worst team, worst FBS team on K-State's schedule. They're 64th in Bill Connolly's SP Plus rankings, which would still have them the best of any Sunbelt team. Um, and then he has them ranked 84th on offense in the SP Plus and projects them 34th on defense. So expect Troy to take a step back. Uh, they'll be a tough team, but it's not going to be at Tulane's level in my mind. And I think K-State will have their antennas up after what they experienced with Tulane last year. So I like K-State to win this game 34-17. to 17. Kelly, Kelly Ford has K-State as a 15-point favorite. Yeah, I would say something like 35-13. I, 
like we're pro people are probably like getting paranoid because of how confident we seem in this contest, particularly because of what people are just blindly thinking of Troy this year. But I really do expect a step back from Troy. Uh, a lot of close game luck last year as well. And I just think when you're a defensive-minded team that is a little bit inept, so to speak, on the offensive side of the ball, it's just not a sustainable formula. Well, as you guys know, uh, Lawrence Tynes, former Kansas City Chief, Lawrence Tynes, famous alum from uh, the Troy football program. So I would anticipate Troy, following true to form, will be kicking a lot of field goals in this game. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll K State 34 to 12, 34 to 12. You guys have you guys have gotten me to the point where I'm less worried about this. Like this was you know early in the off season, the one where I was just like, okay, like we know they'll be up for Mizzou. That game meant a lot to them last year. It's gonna be. On the road, you're playing an SEC team. I think the regionality of that game still bears true for a roster with a, a lot of local kids uh, that will want to win that game pretty badly. So you worry about this kind of like trap sort of scenario between the season opener and a road trip to Mizzou and a tough team. And like, you know, we can say, hey, their antennas should be up, but I don't know. You would have thought with Tulane, the antennas would have been up because of Arkansas State. Um Tulane may have just been a good enough team and you were still figuring out the offense then. But I digress. Uh, I have become more and more confident in this game as, as the offseason has gone on. So I'm going to say 34-12. 34-12 with four uh, Ghost of Lawrence Tynes field goals for uh, for Troy. You like that one? Was that good enough? That a good enough alum? I, th I think that's that's pretty well done, John. I, I can't say I've researched the uh, the Troy kicking situation. They, maybe they have a reliable kicker to bang those four through, but uh, I like the comp. And I I didn't even think of him as a Kansas City Chief, so my my apologies on that. I think of more. I think he started multiple seasons with the New York Giants. He did, but Dy, how dare you? He set the NFL record for extra points attempted with the Kansas City Chiefs in the year two thousand and four. Okay, I would really appreciate it if you would do some research before these pop. <laughs> apologies, <laughs> like I, I prefaced it by saying my apologies. <laughs> I don't know. Where's everybody's level here? We're trying to elevate. Okay. Trying to elevate, just like uh, just like Mister Tank. Uh, we've got more more elevating to do uh, because next on the schedule, boys. This is one we need to discuss a little bit. Uh, the Missouri Tigers, my favorite fan base out there, the Missouri Tigers. Um, you know, if we're gonna be at this game, which I intend to be, although Cole, I think right now wants to play the the ticket game and see how far we're down we can get these prices before we actually buy those bad boys. I imagine we'll be rolling over to Columbia in our home field apparel. We've all got a closet full of it. Uh, if you don't, you should very soon. Home field apparel just dropped uh, within the last couple of weeks. A new line of K-State gear. That was their second in about three months. So they have tons of awesome K-State stuff. Retro gear. I always mention I love the Copper Bowl long sleeve tee. It is awesome. Um, but all sorts of retro logos. They've got the Cat Script basketball logo on some gear now. Definitely go out, get it, get stocked up, um, and uh, just look awesome at K-State Games. Homefieldapparel.com. We have a promo code. It is 3MAW23. 3MAW23. If it's your first time ordering from Homefield, you can get 15% off. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Make sure you get your K-State gear there. And, hey, if you're feeling froggy, you can even go check out the 100-plus other schools that they have up there, too. They have some awesome designs uh, out there. So homefieldapparel.com. Make sure and get your gear before you head to Columbia, and we will talk much more about how K-State is going to kick Mizzou's ass after the break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. 
What's good, everybody? It is Ben Heisler from Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. And if you are ready to go the distance and improve your golf game like I am in the process of doing, I want you to head on over to PXG right here in Kansas City and take the PXG Gen 6 Driver Challenge. They are confident in the Gen 6 that they're putting their money where their mouth is. If their Gen 6 driver does not deliver more distance, more carry and roll, higher dispersion compared to your current driver when you go in for a fitting, they got you covered with a $100 MasterCard reward card. That's it. Go in for a driver fitting. See if your driver is up to their driver. And if it is, you get a $100 MasterCard reward card in the process. This is an unbelievable opportunity to upgrade your game with a custom fit PXG fitting. I've had it at the Kansas City store with Alex. It was one of the great experiences I've had in a golf fitting period. So take the PXG Gen 6 driver all throughout the month of August and get ready to hit those fairways with confidence. So visit your local Kansas City store or head on over to pxg.com for all the terms and conditions. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. On this game, I just saw the other day that uh, I believe Eli Drinkwood said that uh, Sam Horn and... Brady Cook are going to be splitting reps at quarterback through the first two games of the year for Mizzou, so we we don't entirely know who's going to be the quarterback there. I'm sure you all remember Mr. Cook for his outstanding performance in uh, a driving rainstorm in Manhattan last year, which I believe included 17 interceptions um, that felt like they were all in a row uh, consecutively, as K-State built a five-touchdown lead in that game and winning 40-12. to I mean, I guess that that to me will be the real consideration for me like how I'm going to judge how dangerous this game is like Mizzou has plenty of talent uh certainly on defense and their receiver core I mean they did lose arguably their best receiver to Georgia but they bring in Theo Weiss uh they've got the five blank on his name he's a five-star kid that they had last year Luther Burden they've got Luther Burden too um so they, they've got weapons but they just they have not had the quarterback that has been such a problem for them so if they get quarterback looking good in the first two weeks, I will become much more nervous about this game. As of right now, I still feel relatively confident, I would say. Yeah, it's it's fair to still describe Missouri as a quarterback away, um, and we'll see if they made any progress on that front. Before, before I get into it too much, I would just say that if you look at what Missouri did last year and what they have, it's, it's fair to call them a very, very talented team. It's also fair to say that they are kind of the opposite of Troy and how I kind of perceive a team and how I view them for the upcoming season. Like Troy is easily a team that you can kind of look at what they did last year, what they have coming back, and see that this is a team that's probably going to take a step back. Um, Missouri's got some things to kind of iron out on the defensive side of the ball. They were really good as a defensive club last year, but they lost some talent on that side of the ball more than anything, more so than the offense um, outside of Dominic Lovett, of course, at wide receiver. But – they are a team that easily could have been better than the record actually indicated a year ago just because of all the the close losses. So it was kind of the opposite of Troy in that vein where they, instead of a good luck team, they were kind of a bad luck team. But if you lose that many close games, you know, in one season, there's usually a reason. So maybe they have some other things to kind of iron out as well. I would just say... Might need to iron out the, the head coach. That might be... Yeah, yeah, maybe, right? I would just say it's still... I guess presents the aura of a team that can definitely be dangerous and good enough to beat Kansas State if they're not playing their best football. John, I, I can't let you slander Brady Cook too much. You know, he only had two interceptions in that game. Jack Abraham, the Southern Miss transfer, came in and then decided to throw two more picks. 
So yes, well, I mean because because listen, Jack Abraham was clearly in the game for a reason other than Brady Cook sucking out loud. I mean that's you know I'm sure they just decided to roll him there because they felt like yeah no I'm not not defending Brady Cook although I do have to tell you guys like I when I was looking at Brady Cook last night and his numbers I I actually thought they they were maybe a little bit better than I thought he threw for almost 2,800 yards last season completed 65 percent of his passes 14 TDs seven interceptions and rushed. For almost 600 yards, um, 49th in the QBR. He got a lot better. He got a lot better at the end of the year. Right? Yeah, he finished the year strong. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but but you guys mentioned some of the things I was going to hit on. Missouri lost four of their six regular season games by seven points or less last year. The over under from our DraftKings uh, friends at DraftKings is six and a half win total at plus 100 odds for Missouri heading into the season. They finished last season six and seven. Three and five in the SEC. We already mentioned a forty to twelve loss in Manhattan. That was really forty to six. Now, the one thing that I think is really interesting about Missouri is they actually, according to Bill Connolly, ranked number two in the country in returning production overall, with eighty-two percent of their production as a football team returning this year. Eighty percent of their offensive production is back, which is number ten in the country. But on the defensive side of the football, which is their strength, they are number two in the country and returning defensive production nationally at 83%. Tyron Hopper is a guy that I know is back. I think they lost a couple of the really good defensive ends. Um, they lost yeah. line, but they do re- return basically all of their linebackers and DBs. Yeah. So the defensive side of the football, that that's kind of their forte. I believe SP Plus rankings actually projects that Missouri defense to, to finish in the top 40 in the country. The Missouri defense last year allowed 1.94 points per drive, which ranked 36 nationally. Um, you know, and actually overall as a team, Connolly projects Missouri in the SP plus as the number 35 team in the country in his rankings. And I was I was actually wrong on the numbers I just gave you. He projects their offense to rank 52nd. He projects their defense to rank top 20 in the country according to the SP plus. So Offense is going to be the bigger question mark for this Missouri team. They have a lot of production back. We already mentioned it, but Lovett, who led the team with 846 yards last year, transferred to Georgia. Luther Burden, former number one wide receiver recruit in the country last year, was disappointing as a true freshman, recorded just 375 yards receiving on 45 receptions. You think about that guy, supposed to be a big-time, big-play threat, and he averaged just eight yards per reception. Kelly Ford's rankings actually have K-State as a 57% chance to win this game. Expects K-State as a two and a half point favorite according to his power ratings. So I think it's going to be a pretty close game. I'm going to take K-State to win 31 to 23, but I, I think Missouri does obviously have some talent, like you guys said. I have a 27-23. I mean, the line was pretty insignificant last year as well, and they won by four touchdowns. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm going to say 34-20, but like a pretty close game, like late touchdown for K-State makes it a two-score game. I mean, I, I do think it'll be a very competitive game. Uh, and if, if K-State's not ready, I mean, look, I, to me, the the biggest concern out of it is going to be if Mizzou does start to get quarterback a little bit figured out and we're breaking in so many new faces on the secondary, um, in the secondary for, for K-State. And, I mean, the pass rush, for that matter, too. Uh, that, that's what worries me, is Mizzou being able to really do a lot of damage through the year and take advantage of K-State's defense, try to gel and come together early in the season, which it, it may well take some time to do so. But, I mean, to be honest, like, I just, at the end of the day, I, I really trust with the pieces that this K-State team has, I trust the Chris Kleiman v. Eli Drinkwitz coaching matchup quite a bit here, that, that they'll be able to get that done. 
And there's, it's interesting to look at Missouri because I'm, I got the schedule pulled up too. Um, look, the SEC only plays eight conference games. So they actually have a non conference game after Kansas State, not a league game like Kansas State has against UCF. They go to, they host Memphis the following week. And before K State, they play Middle Tennessee at home. Their first game of the year, if you want to watch, they're not playing on the same day as Kansas State. They play on a Thursday, uh, Thursday night, first game of the year, August 31st against South Dakota at home. If you want to peer into that, but I guess what I wanted to say, because after Memphis, they start the year at Vanderbilt. I mean, if Missouri found a way to beat Kansas State, they could they could go and play LSU at five and zero. You got Drinkwitz going five and zero. I don't because I just picked Kansas State. But I'm saying if they beat Kansas State, they'll be five and zero when they play LSU. I mean, are we sure? I don't. I, I think some of those games sounded tricky, right? Like Memphis, probably losable for them. Memphis, they. And they're not as good as they, they've been, but DY, where's the where's the Vanderbilt game at? It's in Nashville, but they're, that stadium's not even. <laughs> yeah, where they gonna play at a high school field? Uh, listen, Cole, you don't you don't just walk into uh, whatever the hell they call that stadium in Nashville and uh, waltz out of there with a win. Okay, we did we not learn our lesson in 2017? I tell you what, I learned my lesson, guys. I got stuck in the stairwell. And uh, had to be banging on the door because the stairs automatically locked behind you, the doors. And I, I thought I was trapped inside Vanderbilt Stadium with no cell service. So I learned to never, uh, I don't think I'll go back in that press box. But yeah, I, I actually read that Vanderbilt, not to get off track, is going to be an improved football team this year. So I, it could be a little bit tricky playing in front of all 4,000 Vanderbilt fans. Well, we'll see. The, the, what I remember from the Vanderbilt game is the story afterwards about Dana Dimmel. So yeah, well... <laughs> Way to go, Dana. <laughs> you don't just waltz into, in Dana's defense, you don't just waltz into First Bank Stadium and come out with a win, boys. I thought you were going to say without your playbook. That's what I thought you were going to say, John. You don't just walk in there without your playbook. And uh, I, I am a credible journalist. I will not divulge this podcast into rumor and innuendo. Okay? I will not play the rumor game. That is not what I am here to do. Um. And now it is time to button up because we're headed into conference play. All of us do have K-State getting out of the non-con unscathed. Speaking of UCF, this is an interesting game, man. Uh, first conference game, UCF will be coming to town. It is, uh, in that way, I suppose, an anniversary of one of the great uh, weather feats of all time that we've seen with that crazy picture of the last time K-State played UCF at home in 2010. Uh, with the wild storm that came in, and uh, I believe Carson Kaufman had like a rushing touchdown to put that game away late. Um, so K-State did win, but I, I am actually pretty bullish on UCF. I think they will be easily the best of the four newcomers this year. Um, I, I really like Gus Malzahn. I think he's a great coach. I think if you just look at the talent composite, the 24-7 talent composite, they're significantly better than any of the other three newcomers. And like John Rice Plumley. Tremendous athlete, a quarterback. Um, you know, I mean, I guess we'll see in the total package of being a quarterback, but he's a heck of an athlete, and they can really run the ball. So UCF, I think this is one to circle. Like, I think this actually will be a, a pretty competitive game. I, I like the Knights this year. Yeah, and and there will be up for it. It's their first Big 12 game as a member, so there's going to be some juice to it on their front. And I think it, maybe from a crowd standpoint, Kent State, you know, you, you kind of got to get used to the fact that Teams like UCF and Houston are now league opponents too, so I wonder if there's a, uh, a an adjustment period there, and we'll see what what the environment totally looks like. If it's a an actual Big Twelve Kansas State football environment, or they have some struggles getting used to it, not being a, a non conference 
opponent. I do like UCF a little bit. wonder a little bit about the depth, but that's not going to be tested in game four. If you were Kansas State, you probably would rather play UCF later in the season because if these four newcomers have anything, it's a question maybe about depth, but that's not going to come into play until later in the season. Um, again, this kind of, I kind of harken back to maybe a little bit like game one where I think this is going to be potential offensive high scoring game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this, K-State fans better be ready for this one because, yes, it is easy to overlook it by name alone, but UCF is a quality football program. Since 2010, UCF's posted six season of, seasons of 10 wins or more. They've had three seasons of 12 victories or more over that timeline. And over the last 13 seasons, they've won nine or more games in nine of those seasons. A good football program. They started last season 8-2 and two after winning at Tulane. They were ranked 17th in the AP poll at that time. They were 21st in ESPN's SP+. At that time, they lose three of their last four games to close out the year, including the American Conference Championship game against Tulane in a rematch. They finished 9-5, and five, but... I think this UCF team is very talented. Kelly Ford at his power ratings ranks him 33rd in the country. Bill Connolly of ESPN's SP Plus ranks him 39th overall. He has their offense ranked 41st in the country, their defense 39th. Um, Kelly Ford actually projects that UCF has a better than 50% chance to win, uh, I think, all but three of their Big 12 games this year. So they have a good chance to win eight to nine games. 71% of UCS overall production returns, which ranks 21st nationally, according to Connolly. 75% of their defensive production is back. That ranks 19th. It's an offense under Gus Malzahn, who's a good offensive mind that averaged 2.64 points per drive last season, which ranked 32nd. And where they're going to challenge K-State, guys, it's a different look offensively than what K-State sees a lot in the Big 12. UCF ran for nearly 3,200 yards on the ground last season 615 rushing attempts they ran for 223 yards per game which ranked ninth in the country 5.2 yards per carry that was top 15 in the country Uh, 50.5 percent success rate on rushing plays that would have been the best mark out of the 14 big 12 teams the next closest was texas at 49 percent um 47.6 percent offensive success rate last season which again would have been the highest in the big 12 now again the competition wasn't the same in the aac So those numbers would have drifted a little bit downward. Um, And then, John, you mentioned it. Dual threat quarterback, John Rice Plumley, two talented running backs. Plumley rushed for 862 yards on 159 attempts last year, ran for 11 touchdowns, 5.4 yards per carry, threw for 2,500 yards, 14 TDs, eight interceptions. Plumley's true freshman season, he he played at Ole Miss his first three years. He rushed for over 1,000 yards as a true freshman and averaged 6.6 yards per carry and 12 touchdowns at Ole Miss. But prior to last season, he'd only thrown for 981 yards in his first three seasons of college football. So, you know, there are question marks about his ability to throw the football. You can turn him over a little bit, but he's supremely athletic. They got a pair of running backs that are dynamite that combined last year to average 6.8 yards per carry. So just a very good, talented backfield that are going to test you on the perimeter uh, with a lot of speed and athleticism and ability to bounce and hit the big play. Well, guess if we're... For making predictions on this, I don't know. This feels to me maybe like a like a thirty-eight to twenty-seven K-State sort of a win in Manhattan. I, I do think at home you're going to be able to find a way to win, but I think K-State will be pushed uh, for sure by by UCF. I have a lot of respect for that program and just the the long-term viability of that program in the Big Twelve. Now that they have those resources behind them as well, so 
I'll say 38 to 27. Um, oh, I have my famous alum here because I forgot to do it. Daniel Tosh. Daniel Tosh, famous alum. Uh, obviously, uh, Tosh.0, comedian. Uh, Daniel Tosh, your UCF famous alum. And I forgot to give one from Mizzou. So let me just say, uh, famous alum from Mizzou, basketball legend, potential future Hall of Famer, Kim Anderson, uh, is a very graduate. So there's our famous alum for, uh, for Mizzou. Say, uh, 31-28 K-State, but this one, remember when we did the preview pod last year and I felt very insistent upon K-State losing to TCU and I caught some flack for it and turned out to be right. This one has that kind of vibe to me, but I'll take Kansas State just because I am more invested in the long-term viability of UCF than the short-term at the moment. I still think that, I, I just don't, see someone having instant success right away. I'd be remiss if I didn't say UCF's also breaking in new offensive and defensive coordinators to their coaching staff, which could could play a role, especially early in the season in a Big 12 opener. So we'll see how they adjust. I have a very similar score to John. I have K-State 38, UCF 30. Kelly Ford gives K-State a, a 67% chance to win and has them as a six and a half point favorite. If you're noticing a trend here, it's a lot, lot of higher scoring games. Like we feel uh, pretty, pretty confident in the K State offense here to, to start the year. All right, you got back to back road trips coming up with Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, and we will get to those after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Ah, the new world that we are in with the Big 12. You have to get used to some games. Not on Saturday. K-State has a Friday night matchup in Stillwater next on the schedule. Uh, that will be Friday, October 6th. After a bye week, K-State will go to Stillwater. So I do like the fact that you have a bye week there. Stillwater has been a, a really rough place generally for uh, for K-State to play. Do not have a ton of great memories from my time on the beat, which spanned 10 years uh, going to Stillwater every other year. Uh, outside of that 2017 game that came out of nowhere where Byron Pringle was running free all over the place, it, it has not been an easy place for the Cats to play. Now, I will say this, though. Oklahoma State this year, I, we'll probably have a better idea, I guess, by that point, what exactly the hell they are. But so much going on in the portal, a lot going out, a lot coming back in. Uh, Alan Bowman, former Texas Tech Red Raider, former Michigan Wolverine, is now going to be the quarterback in Stillwater. I don't, I mean, I have a ton of respect for Mike Gundy. They have been as consistent as anybody in the league over the last two decades that's not named Oklahoma. Uh, I, don't know that I love the long-term trajectory of the program here with Gundy and being a guy that seems to be kind of transfer portal averse and NIL averse, um, general progress in society averse. But I digress. Um, I don't know how much that's going to affect them like this year. I don't. Do you guys have a good read on Oklahoma State at all? Here's the, the things that I will say on this game. One, it being a Friday, uh, that's a unique kind of element as you pointed out that typically favors the home team when those things happen because you have some level of comfort still of being in your own place oklahoma state also we're talking about antennas up um they got their ass kicked 48 to nothing by kansas state last year yeah yes they turned over a lot of the roster but that's still at least 30 40 guys that remember that ass kicking in manhattan and you know gundy will remind them of it very often by week, you would think that favors K-State, especially if you have to play on a Friday. So you like that. The Gundy thing, yes, of all the, we can talk about all the stuff in the offseason and how he hasn't necessarily properly adjusted to the new world of college athletics. At the same time, he typically has really good seasons when he is doubted the most. So I, I do wonder a little bit about that. And we are kind of writing an obituary almost for a team then in 2021, so just two seasons ago, did compete for the Big 12 championship against Baylor and then went on and won that Fiesta Bowl that year. So they're not really... They were, they were like six inches from the playoff two years ago. Yeah, so we're not that far from them being a national contender. However, what I will say is, at one point they won 10 or more games in six of eight years. That was like everyone talked about how many times Oklahoma State won 10 games almost likened it to you know the run that Bill Snyder went on in Manhattan as well. But what they do fail to remember, and I got this from Case underscore fan who did the research for K-State Online, they won eight or fewer games now, eight or fewer in four of the last five seasons. So to kind of state, even though 
even considering the 2021 season, it is inaccurate to state that they are still on an upward trajectory. It's not just feeling. There is facts to, to signal that Oklahoma State is kind of on the downslope of what they have been under Mike Gundy. I, I just think in the the new transfer portal era, I think Mike Gundy is going to struggle a little bit. His high school recruiting rankings and the profile they've done there and the work they've done there has gone downhill a little bit. This is an Oklahoma State team that started the season 6-1 and one last year, had a really nice win in Stillwater against Texas. They come into Manhattan ranked in the top 10 in the season, 6-1 and one start. MK-State takes them to the woodshed and beats them 48-0, and then that seemingly sent them into a tailspin. They lost five of their last six to close out the season at 7-6. and six. Now, This is an Oklahoma State team that Bill Connolly projects to be 38th in the SP+, and their offense 28th, their defense 58th. Now, I'm a little bit taken aback at the offensive projection ranking of 28th in the formula there because I just struggle to see it. Oklahoma State lost a lot of weapons at the wide receiver position. Only Brennan Presley is back now that he was their leading receiver, but a lot of other dudes transferred out of the program are no longer there at the skill level positions. Dominic Richardson running back. He actually transferred to Baylor. He was the starting running back for the, the Cowboys last year, although Oklahoma State was one of the worst rushing teams in college football last season. They averaged 3.3 yards per carry, which ranked 116th in the country. The offense last year, 1.89 points per drive. That ranked 87th. Defense, 48th in the country in points per drive allowed. I think the big thing with me, guys, is the quarterback position for Oklahoma State. Alan Bowman, he's projected to be the starting quarterback. He threw for nearly 3,000 yards in 2018 at Texas Tech. All right. He's entering year six of college football. He threw a combined eight passes at Michigan over the last two years. He's been very injury prone. And the injury proneness is what really would worry me if I'm an Oklahoma State fan because there is not much behind him. We saw what was in the cupboard last year at the quarterback position when Spencer Sanders got hurt. Gunnar Gundy and Garrett Rangel were bad last year when they came in. They each threw around a 50% completion percentage. They combined for seven touchdowns passing the football to nine interceptions. So not good numbers there. They're replacing a guy in Spencer Sanders who, while there were critics of some of the mistakes he would make, he was a four-year starter at the quarterback position combined between rushing and throwing the ball nearly 12,000 yards of offense and 85 touchdowns. That's a, that's a big piece you have to replace. And to me, their season kind of went downhill when he got banged up in Manhattan last year and, and just wasn't healthy the rest of the way. I got a, I got a bit more before you go, Kurtz. Uh, I agree with you on the offense, Cole, but to point out the discrepancy there with the defense, Oklahoma State's defense was 114th in the country last year by the end of the season, 114th in total defense number 100 in rush defense. If you take at some of the analytics, their best ranking is still 91st, even if you add in pace and efficiency. So this was a brutal defense um, a year ago, and obviously some of that is probably because you gave up a touchdown at Kansas State on practically every possession last year. So that that does account for some of those astronomical numbers. Um, Quarterback-wise, I doubt they would go to Gundy or Wrangell if it if – you know, something were to happen to Alan Bowman. Something to keep in mind is probably the true freshman at Kent State recruited at one point when Zane Flores from Gretna, Nebraska. Um, also a guy that was highly recruited. So maybe they have something there in a true freshman at quarterback should they have to resort to that. You talk about the skill position players that they've lost and, and how there might be a little bit void there with only being Brendan Presley. One of the guys they were supposed to count on is Arlen Bruce. Not sure how much they're going to be able to count on him because he's been counting 
as well, <laughs> in a way, because he's caught up in the gambling investigation from what he did last year at Iowa. And I, the schedule does matter a lot this year. I know I keep saying that, but it does. Like, the Oklahoma State schedule is pretty weak. It's abysmal at this point, to be quite honest. And, you know, they start off the year with Central Arkansas. Let's say they beat Arizona State on the road. I know that's not a given, but let's, let's say they do it because it's possible. Then they play South Alabama. I know that's – they beat Nebraska last year, but I'm guessing Oklahoma State can beat South Alabama at home. Their first Big 12 game is at Iowa State. Um, we don't even know who's going to be on the field for the Cyclones at this point. So, you know, what if that's a win? They're 4-0 when they play Kansas State at home. What if he, you know, I like Kansas State here, but if they win that, their next two games are against KU at home and at West Virginia. I mean, it's not, and then at home against Cincinnati after that. I mean, it's not out of this world that they go Oklahoma State, even though we think they're floundering a little bit as a program, could still be 8-0 when they play Bedlam at home. Uh, DraftKings has their over-under at uh, six and a half win total uh, for the season, I would probably take the over just given that number in the schedule that you highlighted, D.Y., and you're right on the defense. I mean, with Jim Knowles two years ago, they were 11th in the SP Plus nationally. They fell to 64th in the SP Plus last year. Derek Mason was the defense coordinator. He stepped away after one season, former Vanderbilt head coach. And Mike Gundy has once again dipped into these small school ranks. John, he actually hired a, a defensive coordinator who came from Emporia State at one point, which you probably saw. He's known for the 3-3-5 defense. So, you know, Gundy's trying to get with the times of the 3-3-5. We'll see if it works out. But, um, you know, he's had success on the the small, on the offensive ranks with some smaller school hires. So we'll see if it works out on the defensive side. I didn't give a prediction. Uh, Kelly Ford projects K-State as a four-point favorite in his power ratings. I'm going to say K-State 41, OK State 31. Another way to classify the schedule, just one – the only Texas team that Oklahoma State plays from the Big 12 is Houston. They do not play Texas, TCU, Texas Tech, or Baylor, um, which is crazy. They do play the four newcomers, all four. They're the only team that plays all four newcomers. And they get West Virginia, who's picked to be the last place team in the Big 12. So just a crazy um, luck of a draw when it comes to the schedule. I actually think Kansas State will win, but I think it's going to be close. So I'll say something like 35-28. Well, first of all, if the DraftKings total is six and a half, I mean, I'm tempted to just go drive straight to Kansas right now and throw down, uh, you know, an entire paycheck on that. That seems like free money. Yeah, Oklahoma, I mean, Gundy, whatever their roster is going to be against that schedule, I'll take them to win seven plus games. Here, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm tempted to feel like this would be a spot where K State would lose. I just don't feel confident enough in Alan Bowman and the overall totality of that roster being good enough to win that game but it's you know i mean friday night weird night game boom picking stadium's a really tough place to play they might be undefeated it, they'll have a, mo- a lot of momentum in all likelihood it is gundy it is not like that has not been a matchup that has been very favorable to k-state i think there's a lot actually that could be working against the cats here but i'll, I'll take like a late field goal uh which may be an adventure this year um but i'll take a late field goal 31 28 uh, and have K-State winning that game before going to a spot where I, I will just go ahead and tell you right off the top. I do think this is where uh, a loss will come for the Cats. They go to Lubbock uh, Saturday, October 14th, the halfway mark of the schedule here. Uh, Texas Tech is a pretty popular dark horse sort of pick in the Big 12. I am pretty high on Tech. I like a lot of what Joey McGuire is doing. Again, though, I think so much of this will come down to quarterback play and for Texas Tech that is obviously quarterback health I mean Tyler Shuck has been 
pretty good when he's been able to play, but he has been beaten up. Baron Morton came in last year and really flashed, but also got beat up and hurt. Donovan Smith is no longer there. He now plays for Houston. So if Texas Tech can keep quarterbacks healthy, I think they're going to be really salty. I do think this is a year where they take a jump. It has followed this pattern where you have a team sort of in Tech's position that jumps up and wins the league. Two years ago, Baylor. Last year, K-State. Tech would really fit that mold. I don't know that I'm going to outright predict them to win the league, but I think this is a really tricky game coming off of a tricky game the week before on the road, and uh, I think I think Texas Tech at home will find a way to get it done close. Yeah, for Kansas State, you can make an argument that this is like kind of the the one of the tougher stretches of the season. I know you got the one with Texas Baylor KU that people maybe argue, but I think at Oklahoma State because it is a Friday night, Oklahoma State might be undefeated at Texas Tech because they're an up-and-coming team. They could be undefeated. Obviously, Texas, like, I mean, there's a chance. Um, well, I guess I, with Texas, with Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and TCU, sorry, TCU, not Texas, and you're playing three ranked teams in a row. Um, it wouldn't be unheard of if, if that is the case. For Texas Tech, yeah, I think this is a really dangerous game for Kansas State. I'm not sure that Texas Tech wins the Big 12. Maybe a hair too much hype for my liking. But I do think that they're in position to win this game against Kansas State as well. Um, like Oklahoma State, though, a lot of it could be predicated on just health at quarterback, right? Tyler Shuck is kind of a kind of a glass-shattering type of guy where I don't know that I could count on them to play four straight games rather than what would be like five or six. So um, that worries me. But I also think this is maybe a bounce-back portion. Like, I think Texas Tech can just the way that momentum of the program is and kind of things unfold. Maybe they beat Oregon at home. It wouldn't shock me, but I think I think they very well could have lost the week before the Kansas State game this year. I think that game at Baylor for them is pretty tricky the week before. Um, obviously, a little bit of a homecoming for Joey McGuire as well, so I'll say Tech lost to Baylor the week before, but they beat Kansas State at home because this is probably, you know, in terms of environments, now that that game against Oregon, a lot of good environment. But in terms of Big 12 home game environments, that one against Kansas State on October 14th would be the best one in Lubbock and in several years. I mean, last few times we've been to Lubbock, I mean, they can barely get half the stadium full. Um, this year, that entire place is going to be full. It might be a night game. It might be a blackout, and they're just going to be going nuts. I think they beat Kansas State. Yeah, I actually hope it's an 11 a.m. game in Lubbock. Uh, I don't want any part of a night game. They get weird, especially in Lubbock. So hopefully that's an earlier kick in the day. Uh, Texas Tech won eight games for the first time since 2013 under first-year head coach Joey McGuire last season. Their over-under win total is 7.5 with plus 110 odds, according to DraftKings. Bill Connolly ranks the Red Raiders 32nd in the SP+. Kelly Ford ranks them 23rd in his power ratings. Kelly Ford actually gives K-State a 48% chance to win. He essentially has this as a pick -em. In fact, that's what he lists it as. K-State's won seven straight games against Texas Tech. Last Tech win was the 59-44 victory in Lubbock in 2015. Um, you know, Patrick, by the way, just for perspective there, Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback at Texas Tech the last time they beat K-State. Yeah, and I think he was what, like a freshman, John? Wasn't that his, I think that was his freshman year or sophomore year? Might have been his second year in the pro. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if he was a redshirt freshman or not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tech beat both Texas and Oklahoma last season en route to getting to those eight wins. But to D.Y.'s point, I mean, Tyler Shuck, he's played in 11 of 26 games in his two-year career at Texas Tech. He's thrown for 2,182 yards in two seasons in Lubbock. 
if he can stay healthy, they, they got a lot of offensive talent and firepower and a ton of production back off on, on the offensive side of the football. Bill Connolly ranks the tech offense 15th in his SP+. He's got the defense at 66, but on the offensive side of the football, they return 10 starters on offense. You could count even more guys for some of the transfers they're bringing in that are starters. They return 80% of their offensive reduction from last season. That's the 12th best mark in the country. Their top five pass catchers at the wide receiver position are back. Those five guys combined for nearly 2,700 yards receiving last year, last year and 213 receptions all back. Running back Taj Brooks is back as well. Uh, he's got nearly 1,500 yards in his career on the ground. Sir Roderick Thompson, the other running back who was a talented piece, is gone. It's going to come down to Shuck. Can he be healthy? It's also going to come down, can Tech take a jump defensively? You know, according to Connolly, they've only finished in the, uh, they've never finished over the last 13 years in the SP plus top 60 rankings defensively. And during that time, only top 78th once. So can they take a step defensively? Five out of eight players who had four or more tackles for loss are gone. Uh, defensive coordinator Tim Deruder, though, he's a good coach. And uh, he is back. I am going to take this, unfortunately, to be K-State's first loss on the schedule. I think K-State loses a very close game. I'm taking Tech 38, K-State 35 to drop K-State to 5-1 and one on the season. I think it's going to be a little bit of a product of the environment. Obviously, I don't know what other games are on the schedule that particular day. But it would not stun me if we're talking about a primetime game at night in Lubbock, you know, on October 14th when Kansas State travels. To Texas Tech. Now, some of that will depend on how Texas Tech has done up to that point. Uh, a, a game with Oregon and a game in Baylor will probably decide their fate up until that point in the schedule. Uh, by the way, famous alum uh, for Oklahoma State, we're going to go with Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks, famous alum for uh, the Cowboys. I feel like that'll suffice. They've actually, Oklahoma State's got a better list here than I would have would have thought it was it was between that and Ricky Fowler I don't DY I feel like you're more of a golf guy would would Ricky Fowler the better pick there nah Garth Brooks is a good pick I like Ricky Fowler no Bill Self well I was trying to find a way to make that funny uh but I didn't give myself very much time to do it and so if I couldn't do it I was just gonna let it pass or Kansas native Barry Sanders of course we are talking about uh of course we're talking about uh famous Illinois head coach former Illinois head coach uh Bill Self um, Texas Tech, I forgot. I keep, I'm spacing out here. Texas Tech, we've got, I don't, did Dallas Braden throw a perfect game? He almost did, right? Was he the one that got screwed by the umpire? No, I don't, that wasn't Dallas Braden. That was Galarraga or something. Yeah, I don't, Dallas Braden threw a no-hitter. It was either a no-hitter or a perfect game. I know it was one he of He had those. a perfect game. Here, you know what? We're going to do this because I see this as the uh, subject of some consternation on social media. John Denver, a uh, Texas Tech grad. Although, you know, West Virginia obviously wants to claim the song. Uh, John Denver, actually a Texas Tech grad. So there's your, there's your famous alum for uh, the Red Raiders. Not not Patrick Mahomes. Well, look, we know about Patrick Mahomes. And, oh, we've already discussed Patrick Mahomes. We, it's already been talked about on the pod, but we know he's there. Michael Crabtree. That is a little dis... Like how it, I searched Texas Tech famous alumni, and here I've got... George Eads, I don't know who that is. Barry Corbin, Rick Husband, Scott Pelley, Pat, Pat Green, Wes Welker. That's the top row. Wes Welker <laughs> there before Patrick Mahomes did. Mahomes is down here on the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh row. Seventh who's, row. Who's higher, Patrick Mahomes or Cliff Kingsbury? Cliff Kingsbury is far higher. Dave Aranda is higher. B.J. Simmons is Dave higher. Dave Aranda's from Texas Tech. 
Uh, apparently so. Graham Harrell is higher. Hey, hey, Graham Harrell, you want to wreck offenses, hire Graham Harrell as your offense coordinator right there. He's at yeah. West Virginia now, right? Or is he? Uh, he's gone again. He moved on. West Virginia fans are delighted. Patrick Mahomes is listed right next to Jody Fisher and Mac McClung. <laughs> that's that's where Mahomes is now. Graham Harrell is the offensive coordinator at Purdue. He's moving up the ladder, D.Y. He went from USC to West Virginia and now to Purdue. Well, power to Purdue. Okay, uh, there's the first half of the schedule pod. We've got the next half coming up. Somehow we still find a way to make a 51-minute podcast about half of the schedule. Reminder, if you want even more of this incredible, not-ever-meandering content, you can head over to our Patreon page. It is patreon.com slash 3 uh, where you can get extra content. We've got stuff up there about basketball, Quez Glover, the new commit. Uh, K-State's battle is probably not the right word. K-State's negotiation right now with Nike. Will it be Nike? Will it be Under Armour? Uh, You can come freak out with me in uh, that podcast that is up there. We'll also be getting a Discord or chat feature basically pretty soon where you can have a big group chat with us and interact with us. We'll have Brody updates in there, uh, live streams after games. It's just $5 a month on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash 3 to be a part of that community. And we appreciate all of you who have already subscribed there. Uh, thank you to Homefield, homefieldapparel.com, 3Ma23 for 15% off. Go get your Homefield gear there. And, of course, your Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond bourbon and your 360 vodka from our friends at Holiday Distillery as well. For Nick Springer behind the scenes and Eric Young and Cole Manbeck, I am John Kurtz. Thank you for listening to another episode of 3 Take care. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.